Hey, everybody, and welcome to 52 Weeks of Empowerment. I am your host, Andrea Pagnosi, and I am also a career empowerment coach who is fiercely dedicated to getting everyone in 2022 to realizing their true career potential. These last few weeks have been extremely immersed in the tough parts of life that are usually those moments where breakthroughs happen. We've talked about triumph over tragedy. We've talked about overcoming adversity that people didn't see coming, that they could not control. And today we're going to go even a bit deeper than that. I'm going to share up front that some of the topic we're going to talk about today may be difficult to hear, but it's going to be an important story. And it's one of survival and a sense of purpose that today, as you come into this, when anxiety and depression have taken over and the future doesn't seem all that clear, this may be the show for you. So I want to recognize that the conversation is going to get deep up front. My guest, Matt Hogan, is many things. And the first thing I want to say that he is, is he is a gentleman. I've really enjoyed getting to know him as a colleague and as a coach. I have a deep amount of respect for his journey, as you'll hear about today. But he's also a grandson, a son, a friend. He's been a fiance, a a coach, a consciousness explorer, a traveler, an entrepreneur, and the list goes on and on and on. But he is someone who is fascinated with being an active participant on a journey of self-mastery. And that's a lot about his character and his ability to coach others. By day, Matt supports leaders and entrepreneurs, as well as executives of socially minded organizations, helping them to accelerate in their own internal change work. And they can even have greater impact through their roles, presence, and within their private lives, supporting them to bring greater connection, clarity, and fulfillment into their lives. And he's going to talk about some great opportunities to work with him. Matt, welcome to 52 Weeks of Empowerment. Hi, Andrea. I'm looking forward to this getting down to the gritty humanist conversation and where that goes. And I will do my best to maintain the gentleman's stature as I speak the truth of being human. <laughs> the topic that we're talking about today is heart overhead, which is not the way a lot of people when it comes to their career operate. They're constantly looking for validation. They feel like they're not being heard or they feel a sense of devaluation. They're tired. They're poor. They're huddled masses like Ellis Island. And they're looking for their Ellis Island. They're looking for that part of self-worth that we encapsulate into the right career. It's a sense of professional purpose. And you have had some really pivotal moments in your personal life that have taken you on journeys you probably never thought you would go on. Walk us back through time to how you got to coaching and when you realized your own career path and how. I look at it this way. I've spent the first 18 years of my life in many ways unhappy and angry kid and teenager and getting in a lot of trouble and causing trouble and just really feeling pretty unhappy. And enough so that by the when I was 18, I attempted my own life with a bullet in my head. And since that day, I have spent the last 18 years, what I would call reclaiming my own place in life, reclaiming my own worth, being enough, my own deservingness to experience an enjoyable life, a life that's fulfilling and rewarding. And that has taken me from being someone that barely finished high school to really pouring myself into developing my intellect in college and getting my degrees. And then that took me into when I first got out of college, I had a corporate career that with what it paid in the company. Everybody's like, oh, that's phenomenal. 
And I moved across the country for it and quit in three months because I'm like, this culture doesn't work for me. And then moved back across the country and found myself supporting a top five global brand, as you know, Google, where I spent six years developing a team, a national sales and support team out and left as a director. But the transition point there was even funny because at one point my time had expired in corporate and I experienced so much resistance to leaving this old identity behind that had held so much passion and fruit and enjoyment for me that all of a sudden was like, this outlived its time in my life and I couldn't let go of it. And then that led me into my coaching career, supporting people from a business and corporate career standpoint. And along with that, going to the topic of head and heart, I was doing that while traveling the world. So I spent a year out of the U.S. traveling while building my business. And it's continued to be a thread with me today. It just continues on. It's a fascinating story. And as I mentioned to our listeners, we're going to go deep on some of this stuff. There are a lot of people who identify with your story that while they may never have attempted suicide, we are going to post suicide prevention hotline on our post today because we do want to help those that are at that place. But you've come back from that place. Tell me how that moment in your life has shaped all moments that have followed an essential piece of this past 18 years has been coming to know my own inner wisdom, my own inner teacher and guidance and learning to trust it, hear it and trust it and live it. And that night was the first time I ever heard it ever. And that night when I put that bullet in my head and I collapsed, was unconscious, I heard for the first time in my life, this voice that was firm, that was clear, that was direct, that was kind, which was a new thing for what I was used to hearing in my brain in those years that just said, you will not die like this. And I literally came to and had the energy to get up, run upstairs and find support to get to an ambulance while this was in my head. That voice has been with me all these years since. I've lost my way from it many, many times, but it has been an ongoing journey of 18 years of continually finding that voice, hearing what it's telling me and allowing that to guide my life. And you can see that in some of the bigger decisions I've made over the years, especially when you start getting into these last seven years where I have really honed it and also been what I help my clients with. It's a powerful message that you can be at rock bottom and rock bottom for everybody looks different. It can absolutely seismically shift the way that you look at the world around you and what's most important. I think a lot of people coming out of the great resignation, I think a lot of people coming out of COVID were unbelievably changed. Mm. I've heard from clients that live alone and were completely isolated from the outside world, couldn't see their families and became depressed for the first time in their lives, became anxious for the first time in their lives, really destitute in some ways because they were laid off. They didn't know where their next meal was coming from. Lots of people had jobs and didn't like the virtual environment and being sequestered from, I mean, we're a social species. So people have become more aware of the importance of belonging and feeling as though they're accepted and listened to and heard. And when you look at the labor statistics, four and a half million people, even last month, leaving jobs, looking for greener pastures. You know, most every instance, when I talk to these clients, it's still very heady. It's not heart led. 
It's not, they want to get to that point, but they're still very much living in the consequence of what they feel others want them to be doing. Your experience can really speak to leading with your heart instead of your head. I work with people to move from their head to their heart. A client of mine that I'm working with right now, actually, we just scheduled a, a two-day in-person immersion. The whole pr premise is how he bridges the connection between his mind and his heart. Because... In his mind, he wants to be a strategic leader. He's, he's really talented. He's really good at what he does. And he goes, and I want to be strategic in the way I use my brain. Brilliant man. And at the same time, he goes, I'm realizing there's these softer pieces. There's these softer pieces to my life that aren't something that fits in a spreadsheet. It's not something that you can rationalize your way through it. And as we've done some of the work together, he's like, this is my heart. This is around empathy. This is around compassion. This is around my desire to do good for other people and my desire to be appreciated and liked and loved and all these things. And so a lot of the work is starting to discern where the mind is speaking versus our heart speaking. Because he wants to be a strategic leader who is also an empathetic leader. And, you know, to come back to what we're talking about here, whether you're meaning that in the context of an organization or in the, in the context of your very own life, being a strategic, empathetic leader is important, whether you're looking out here or inside yourself. And so it's, it's helping bridge that gap. And that's such a catchphrase for corporate leaders right now. They have to somehow balance delivering on whatever their goals are, mm -hmm. as well as connecting with people truly connecting with people and caring and showing that they care using words like empathy, vulnerability, really having a connection with the people that they lead. What do you find are some of the blockers to that? Is it social norms? Is it tribal? Is it learned behavior? Is it a mix of all? Well, I'm going to answer that and then I'm going to throw it back at you because I know you've got a book coming out and I'm sure there's some content in there from your own personal experience, which is pretty deep and vast that could uh, answer this as well. But I think it's a mix. There's a mix of experience. There's the belonging piece. And now I'm gonna, through story, I remember when I was coming to my last meeting with a team that reported directly to me. So I had a national team and I had a regional and national team that reported to me. And I had my last call with them, the trainers and the national managers. And I remember when I was coming in to say goodbye and, you know, do final handoffs as I was handing this program over and had promoted a couple of them. And I, I had tears in my eyes. Like I, I couldn't say goodbye without tears in my eyes because of so many things. One, those past six years had been so impactful for my life because I came from a place where I didn't think that I was ever going to have a kind of life that I was starting to experience at that time. And so, so much of my identity was wrapped up in this, but I am this director. I am this person. Like it was felt like it was so much of me. And yet there was a part of me that knew there was more, but feared that un the unknown. But when I was talking to my team, it was clear to me that I was sad to see myself go because I felt so close to my team. I felt like I belonged with my team. We worked well together for a long time. Also, I had poured so much time and attention into building this national program, starting from an individual contributor up to a nearly hundred person team. And it was really, a lot of it came from my heart, not just my brain. So there was this piece of belonging. I felt like I belonged there. And then there was this piece of, I'm kind of scared of the unknown going out here and building a plane while I fly it. And I can't guarantee anything. And that was really, really hard. The fear of the unknown and leaving that sense of safety and belonging, knowing, hey, I'm good at this. 
I've proved that I'm good at this, even though another part of me is yelling, it's time to go, it's time to go. And that was my heart saying it was time to go. It was my brain. It was like, are we sure? Okay. And then finally I got on board. It took some time though. I experienced much the same thing when I walked away from the corporate environment is that it was all I knew for the better part of 30 years. And that's a deep unknown. That's a risk that I took full support of my family, full support of even my boss at the time who said, you've got to chase this dream and you've got to make it happen because you're going to reach a much broader range of people with a very necessary message. This was right at the heart of 2021 when I made what was a side hustle of full-time jobs. I know you want to ask me about my book. I'll talk about the book is going to be called Transform. And it's really looking at both sides of the coin, how leaders and corporations can do a better job of building teams and bringing people in that are equitable, being a fair, equal opportunity employer. What does that really mean? How do you interview people appropriately? How do you coach leaders to find the perfect mix of people for their team? How do you nurture those people, cultivate a culture, and how do you sustain it? On the flip side, looking as an individual contributor inside to what you may think is greener pastures, but it may not be asking the right questions during the interview process, really doing due diligence to review the company and determine just through the interview process, which they give you 30 minutes, not a lot of time to to get to know people. How do you ask the right questions and unpeel the layers of the onion enough to make an educated decision about the next several years of your life in that business? Mm -hmm. When you look at the statistics, people aren't staying. They're staying three months like you did. They're making not quick decisions, but firm decisions of this is more of the same and I'm worth more than that. Yeah much more than that. So that's what that book is going to be bringing because you did promote people. You did build powerful teams. Would love to hear how that experience comes through in your coaching. Given all that you've experienced personally, how does all of the experience come to light in your coaching when you're speaking with these individuals to help give them a reframe of the way that they're looking at their day-to-day? few things. One is keep coming one to what you said about being in interviews. If you don't mind, I'd like to say something on that. Absolutely. These are such life impacting changes, whether it's changing to another company, it's starting your own, it's retiring, it's whatever the leap is, because we're all, all of us here to some degree are thinking, considering some kind of leap. And it's like, I feel like the something is off. Life probably doesn't feel sustainable. Something's got to change but I may not know exactly what it is. I'm really trying to get to the root of it. It may seem like it's a job and it may very well be, but it could be something else too. I think that's a really important part of the process of not only as you're feeling out what might this leap be or this transition be is actually getting to the heart of what it is you're searching for. What is it you're seeking? The reason I say that is because, and I want to put it in story again, is My six years in corporate building that team and everything was a highlight in my life. I wouldn't change it for anything. It has evolved me so much from those earlier days that I shared. And it was a springboard for my career. I mean, I was promoted seven times over four and a half years. What I also found though, was as I was getting closer to my director role, I was senior manager at the time. I was having some things going on in my personal life, issues with my engagement and things like that that I then started chalking up that, well, this next promotion is going to be what makes me happier. This next title, this next raise, 
going to really be what lands the mark and makes the happiness that I need. I will feel that sense of wholeness, humanness, and aliveness that I crave. And I got there. And while there were aspects that I loved because we were in some big building phases, I was kidding myself if I thought the title and the money was actually going to be what I needed. And that was a really hard thing for me to face. And so coming back to the, the advice and things you'll offer on interviewing, we got to marry that with what is it we're really seeking? And is it the job that's actually going to give it to us? So much of the work that we do day to day, we have to use our head for, we get lost in chasing goals and chasing objectives and chasing promotions and titles and things like that. That's all head. Heart has to be in it though. There has to be an investment. There has to be a with them of what's in it for me strategy. And a lot of times we're doing that in our head because it's the next logical progression. It's the next rung on the ladder. It's the life that your father or your mother or a peer or your boss wants you to lead, but it isn't necessarily what you want it's not going to bring you joy. So that's an important measure that we don't often seek when we're interviewing prospective candidates. That's a very important point. What from a corporate perspective are we not bringing to the table when we talk to prospective candidates or when we are candidates? What's not translating? What can we bring more of our heart into? From a corporate standpoint of bringing people in, one of the things that was always a challenge for me, I was always heel and toe with our HR department, developing interview practices as we go, because I wanted to continue to evolve. When my team is engaged, when they're enjoying their work, and it feels like it fits and complements their lives, the business results become easy. And mm -hmm. I could go back through all my performance that validates exactly what I just said. So the, the core for me was always getting to the core of who is this person that I'm speaking with? Always a fun conversation with HR because there's tape that you got to work with. But besides money, besides needing to take care of your family, like what is the heart of brings you here? Why the change? What are you really longing to experience in your life that potentially this role, this company may support you with? And that, that in and of itself starts to change the perception that, you know, they're just here to serve us and the company and start to look at, no, as leaders, we work for them because without the team that reports to us, we don't go anywhere. And neither do our careers and neither do the business results. So spending time to really get to the heart of that individual coming in the door, what are their aspirations and what's really motivating them? And I think that can be hard because we're like, well, here are the responsibilities. Here are the duties. Here's this. Can you do them? How do I know you can do them? And they may be able to do it on paper. They may have the functional skill set, but do they have the heart behind them to drive the initiative that you really need? I have been asked that question by many people and I say very much what you say. And I, I say, it's not what we asked during an interview. It's how we should be asking it. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, where would you want to be or find yourself in three to five, five to seven years long-term? Why don't you say, where would you not want to be? Mm -hmm. Where is this relationship headed? If I'm going to be a sustainability master as your leader, what motivates is part of the equation. What doesn't motivate you? Where can I not take this relationship that it's going to make you check out? And for some people, I look at sales because I was in sales for a number of years and it's an easy analogy. Great salespeople, they achieve. Where do they go next? Well, if you did that, you could do it with the team. 
here's team. No, it's like a demotion promotion for somebody who has no interest in being a team lead. But nobody ever asked them that. They just naturally assume the only way up is management or out. So I love what you said, because it's more about the heart. It's getting to know the passion that helps people evolve, that motivates people, that keeps their flame lit versus putting them in these compartments that they may be very uncomfortable with. You said two really amazing. One, you recognize the importance of blind spots, meaning, like I said, you could focus on the motivation. And then you added in the other side of that too, of like, and if I were to frame that as a question, either for whether you're an inbound focus, bringing people into your company, or you're the individual looking for a greener path, you probably already know what you're thinking of. What are you not considering? Mm -hmm. And how can that be useful? And it, it, it seems like you really illustrated that when you're like, well, what about where they don't want to be? Bring that holistic picture in there. Most people, when they're looking for a job, they're looking for a job that is at a competitor or in a very similar instance than the one they're leaving because it's what they know. It's the devil they know. What they don't anticipate is if you're in the same industry, nine times out of 10, you're going to have the same challenges, different company, different boss same issues. And they seem incredulous when they sit there and they say, it's more of the same, Andrea. We discussed this. We knew this was going to be more of the same. It's the same industry. It's those blind spots that really trip them up because they do expect greener pastures. No, it's just new. It's just different. Novelty can can wear off pretty quick. Yeah. One of my favorite questions that I used to ask people in interviews was, what did you learn from the last experience? What is the number one thing you learned that you would do differently if you had to do it over? And they will sort of look at me like, where is she going with this? And the reality is, I believe that we're here for three reasons on this earth, to live, to love, and to learn. And if you're not going to learn from an experience, you're not going to love it. They all kind of go inside. If you're going to live and be part of this company and, and contribute to it, great. But what are you going to bring in that's unique from what I have here that you've learned that you can apply, that you can really make an immediate positive impact? And that empowers people. That type of thing really empowers people. You came from a really dark place. What do you find was what motivated you to turn things around? What empowered you to make changes in your life? I love that before you even asked the question, you opened up something deep to go even deeper. (laughs) You were talking about the live, learn, and love. And really what you called attention to, which also aligns to an answer is, as humans, we have specific core needs that we walk with through our lives. And when they're unmet, we feel it. Most often we're aware when we're, we're afraid that we don't have enough certainty or when life is not spontaneous enough. Um, we also can recognize often when we were feeling this want to feel significant and meaning, meaningful, like we mean something. But two of the biggest ones that I've noticed in terms of career and uh, self-empowerment is around two huge needs that often, as soon as we realize they're not being met, we're willing to do about anything to start meeting them. One of them is growth, internal growth. It doesn't have to be necessarily money. It doesn't necessarily have to be titles. Those can be a part of it, but it's that feeling of yourself evolving that we crave. And when we start to feel stagnant and like we're not being challenged, our mind, our bodies, our souls are just starving for that growth. It feels like we're not fully animated and alive 
And it's almost like we're sitting there looking at our lives going, is this even me? And the other need is the need for contribution. As we grow, as we evolve, we innately crave and desire to be of support to others. That's why many of us probably listening have had one point or another, we're like, I knew I wanted to be in a leadership position. I just knew it because I wanted to support people and it was important to me. And I bet there's plenty of people listening to this that go out and support their community as well because they really want to be that active member of contribution. And so we've got to look at those two deeper needs. And those are the same two needs that were driving me from when I was 18 after I shot myself. It was that deeper call to evolution, to growth. And even before I was even 20, I started having images of me being someone that could live a life that supported and nurtured the lives of others. And I started to see that unfold bit by bit by work I was doing in college and then my corporate career and then clearly what I'm doing now. And so those two needs above all were really what drove me most. There are also the same reasons why people are leaving companies in droves. There isn't the growth potential and there's no feeling of contribution. Mm -hmm. There's a feeling of doing, maybe even achieving, but it never seems to be an ability to get off the hamster wheel. It's just continual, continued centrifugal force to punch a clock and, and be productive and have a couple of days off. And then you come back and you do it all over again. It's Groundhog Day. There needs to be that level of what immediate impact can you make today? Oftentimes we'll share with my clients affirmations, daily affirmations. When they've been in a dead end situation and they're still in it, they haven't quite found the next best step for them. And these things take time. We talk about affirming that you're there for a reason right now. You may not like it. You may not know what that reason is, but drink it in like a sponge because every infinitesimal second you're there, you're learning something to build from towards the next experience. And that gives people cause to calm down a little bit mm -hmm. and temper their expectation toward a better fit for them. You know, also when we're able to calm ourselves a bit, because I've seen people that are like, no, I got to go. Like, I just can't do this anymore. I'm done. And we're really worked up about it because either we've been holding on to it for a long, long time and we're just starting to realize it, or th there's just a sense of urgency. But when we're in that sense of urgency, we can miss things. Mm -hmm. and so the more we can calm down and just be with what's reality, meaning maybe you stayed 10 years longer than you should have based on what you're discovering. The more we can start to calm down around the reality and not get so urgent, and that can be done through meditation, exploration with a coach. There's many different ways we can soothe ourselves. We can start to notice what are the lessons. We can start to notice the gifts that came from that time and how that serves what may be next. We can start to get clear on the feelings we're really looking for. And there's so much that opens up by what you just said, that gift of helping them start to calm as we calm down. One of the things that people can't see, because this is an audio podcast, is that behind Matt right now are numerous pictures of his travels, traveling and learning new cultures and new ways of looking at things became a very specific point of focus for you. Tell us how that came about and how that shaped the way you are today because just listening to you talk about the calm that's not a western culture Matt mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you know that but that's not typical of our culture you know that of course but tell me about 
what drew you into that and how you chose where you went first, because that's a really interesting story too. So for people that are struggling with, I don't know what to do next, this is a good litmus test. I will quote one of my clients first because he goes, I don't necessarily want to be as calm as you, but there's something there. And I, I want to say this as a person that has been a typical type A, super outgoing person. I like to look at my life from the lens of, uh, of using the hummingbird. So when you see a hummingbird, they're right in front of you. Their body looks very still, but their wings are very animated. And that's how I really cultivated and focused on living life is how do I create this sense of stillness and calm inside of me so I don't feel frantic and stressed and tense and still feel like I'm just like fully embracing and tasting life like I'm just animated. So when I say calm, it's blended in that understanding. So I hope that helps. So people are like, are you telling me to go meditate in the mountain? Because that's not what <laughs> I'm, not all about, <laughs> I'm all about engaging fooling it in your life. Coming back to your question about my travels. This was one of those moments where it was really hard to face the reality for me. And it was the reality that I was clinging on to something that I had outlived. And I wanted to be intentional about it. I wanted to take my time. I didn't just fly in and say, I'm quitting. And I remember when I was going through at the time, my coach training at IPAC, and I remember pretty early on that I knew my work was coming to a close. That wasn't enough answer for me. It wasn't enough answer. And all these unknowns really bothered me. And I'm like, what am I really looking for? And I just knew there was this deeper exploration that needed to happen. And I also it was around the time that I'd started realizing how married and stuck I was to needing certainty in my life. Like I struggled with ambiguity. It was amazing to me that I sometimes looking back that I became a director and moved as far as I did, given how much I still struggled with uncertainty. I was like, you know what? I need to do something. I need to figure out what is this feeling that says something is off and that I need to find something else because I don't want to just fly into another job, fly into this next change without some more clarity. And I wanted clarity and to feel aligned on it. So I did something that was really bold and crazy for me at the time. I had been putting off international travel for years. I had made all kinds of excuses in my 20s. Why not to go? Here I was, 33, 32, and I was like, no more excuses. I had just moved to Austin, Texas, and decided that I'm going to put five countries in a hat, and I'm going to pick one, and I'm going to go. And I drew the Philippines. And booked the trip that night for a month before even telling the VP I reported into that I was going because I knew that if I went that other way around, I may not be going. And so I booked the trip, then spent that night putting together the plan for while I was out of office, went in and said, here's the plan for while I'm out of office and made it more as a matter of fact rather than a statement. Really, actually, he was pretty cool. He appreciated the level of uh, what I brought to it. Fast forward, I'm on my trip in the Philippines doing something that is very very outrageous and bold for me. I didn't book any lodging before I arrived. I just flew in four weeks later to Cebu City, the Philippines, and spent the next month really just trying to live spontaneously, which was really, really hard for me. And in that time, to summarize and put succinctly, I had to spend a lot of time facing a lot of realities about myself. One of the realities being change scares the hell out of me. Um, <laughs> The other reality was that's the reason I'm still hanging on to this job. And I had to really sit and face. I had to not only face the fear of letting go, I had to face and also recognize the gifts that we talked about and how much it had meant to me 
and how meaningful it had been for building my life. And so there was what was holding on and what had needed to be acknowledged. I cried about how much gratitude I had for how much the job supported my life and how much I grew. And I had tears when I recognized that I was just really deeply afraid to let go. I was afraid to just go out into the unknown and trust my own inner resources that says, I got this. And that really threads back to what I've been doing these 18 years of finding my own inner wisdom, which I found in that moment. But I was having a hard damn time trusting it. It's a very good chance that there are people listening right now that are saying to themselves, I can't afford to go to the Philippines for a month, but... I agree wholeheartedly with what Matt's saying is that I am afraid of change, terrified. What are some less expensive, less drastic options that people can start with? I would start with just putting some time on your calendar that is just for you. And that could be, and I would, if two hours feels like too much, give yourself an hour. But the important thing is to know like this time is for you, no one else, because one of the big things through all of my time was too also seeing where I wanted to try to appease everyone else and ignore what was really true for me too. And that was the hard part, the unraveling of that. Set that time aside and schedule it to be somewhere that you know really relaxes you or puts a smile on your face. One of my clients, he goes to in San Francisco to a park near his house every Saturday and has a breakfast burrito. And then he writes in his journal for a couple hours. And so it really brings him a lot of joy. So put yourself in whatever space that is for you. Give yourself that time and then just use that time to say, what is it I'm really seeking right now? I may say a job. Okay, well, what's behind that? What's the feeling you're looking for? Is it a feeling of contentment? Is it a feeling of being acknowledged and appreciated? What are those feelings? And see what you can find behind those. And also start to notice where is that missing? Is that missing in your job? Is it missing within yourself? Maybe the real challenge is you don't know how to give it to yourself. I will say as someone that has a big part of my journey, again, you don't put a bullet in your head when you love yourself. A big part of my journey has also been able to find those messages inside myself that say, I'm worthy of my own kindness. I'm worthy of my own care. So start finding what those feelings are. And if you can find what the feelings are and where they're missing, you can start to get more clarity around what may need to happen next. That's why you were the perfect guest for this topic, because you found your heart through an injury to your head that you self-inflicted. If anyone is the authority on that, Matt Hogan is. I mean, there's no greater rhetoric than to say how you have been saved, really. You saved yourself searching for happiness, growth, contribution, all of the things we've been talking about today and found a way to lead with your heart. And it can be done. It absolutely can be done. You're proof that you can hit rock bottom and come back in a big way. Something I'd like to add in there, because I, you might be listening going, he's not a parent. He doesn't have kids. You're right. I don't. I will say this though, a CEO that I work with who has built a very thriving community for her clients, who also is married and has two children. We have been working together for about eight months. And when we began, she was clear that she was at a place in her life where something was off and it needed to change. She wasn't clear on what it was yet, kind of like what we're talking about here. But we had to start with what's doable and what are you willing to do? It's not about waking up tomorrow and then doing like Matt did and flying across the world. 
It's not about going necessarily needing to do it all. It's what's doable now. What's 5% more. Is it giving yourself 20 minutes instead of no minutes? Is it giving yourself a day to yourself instead of never having a day to yourself? What is that access point and entry point that you can step into both courageously and willingly? Yeah. Love yourself enough to have the courage and the willingness to step up. The best gift you can give yourself is a break. You have a pretty awesome opportunity to use that hour wisely. Um, I'd love for you to share that opportunity with our listeners today, an ability to work with you, to connect with you and to connect with themselves on a more heart to head basis. Yeah. I love the title of our show today. <laughs> you know, one of the biggest struggles for me, and I've mentioned to it a couple of times throughout our conversation today was, it was being able to not only hear my own inner wisdom, it was to begin to trust it and then also be kind and gentle with myself as I learned to live it. I have spent many years seeking truth in my life. Like, where's my innate wisdom? Where's the truth of this moment for me? But the hardest part for me was also doing it in a way that was kind with myself that allowed progress to happen. Part of that issue came from there's this lack of feeling of clarity, this lack of feeling of alignment. You're like, great, something needs to change. What is it? I have no idea what this is or where I'm going or what feeling I want. And even if I find it, how do I know that's true? How do I know that's really the aligned path for me to go, I'm going to give up this $300,000 a year salary job or whatever the salary is and move over here. You got to have that clarity and there's got to be a level of growing trust in yourself to say, I got this. And so knowing how much of a struggle that was for me, I've created an exercise, a clarity and alignment exercise that you can access in the link with the show notes that you can use during this time with yourself to really support you to start getting clear one on what are all the truths of what's going on right now. So you can just start to get all the thoughts and feelings and messages from your heart on paper and just really start to get clear on this is me right now. This is my life right now. And then begin to start using the space that opens from that to connect you to developing an intention to move you forward. Because once you know what your intention is, that offers you a next step. It's a great place to start and a perfect person to do that with. Thank you for offering that to people. And I highly encourage people to take Matt up on that opportunity. We will stick that, that link in our show notes because it's one you're not going to want to pass up. You can't be free. And when it comes to working on oneself, there's not a lot out there. Terms of self-help that doesn't come with a price tag. This one comes with just your willingness and your courage to want to grow and want to contribute and want to, to be a better you living with your heart and leading with that, not so much your head. I want to thank Matt Hogan for just an incredibly aspirational discussion today. You've really personified what it's like to hit rock bottom and build again and use that to help other people, which I can't think of anything more giving and loving as a human being. So I want to thank you for that and for your time today. Do you have um, last words of wisdom that you would share with people to, to better apply their heart, and not use their head as much? I want to say one final note on the exercise. Definitely go download it after this call, after you get off here listening to this. And give yourself the space because when you do and you start to see what can happen in that, it can actually start to create momentum and excitement to do more of that for yourself and for your life. So I wanted to say that before 
I pause and answer the question being, you said how to listen more to your heart than your head. Yeah. I would say the most simple thing is two things. One is beginning to ask, how do I know the difference between the two? Start actually noticing what they sound like. Um, I'll use the client I mentioned earlier example. He noticed that his head was very much about results. It was very much about what could go on a spreadsheet. It was pro- You could really feel like it was project-based. It was very much about rational progression. It was very much about what was uh, linear. The heart often speaks in messages of care, of genuineness. It's in a way that says, I matter, people matter, life matters. And when you can start to notice those that feel more in the body, you're likely tuning into your heart. When it feels like it's floating around up by your forehead and around your head, there's a good chance you're using your brain right now. The more you can discern the difference between the two can start to help you in shaping your lives, as well as any interview strategies and things like that too. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your wisdom. I want to thank you for the opportunity for that download for our listeners. Um, And really, I want to echo Matt's sentiments. Really love yourself enough to take the time and find the space. This is time well spent that can help, especially those of you that are three quarters from the year here who've been listening to 52 weeks since we started in January and you're still not where you want to be. We want to get you there this year, but we need for you to put in your part of it. We will support you the rest of the way. Thanks so much, Matt. That's all the time we have this week. We're going to meet up with everybody again next week. Same time, same place, even more power.